Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 30 for the week of November the 15th, 2017. How are you, Adam? I'm good. How are you? I am pretty good, I must say. This is a special early release, early edition of the Film Coterie podcast. This is our Justice League edition. Yeah, usually we record on Thursdays, but we had a good reason to get together tonight and see the movie and do the podcast. So hopefully we'll be one of the early releases and early reviews of the film. We'll try to get this out later tonight and uh, let our audience check out what our thoughts were about the movie. But before, Well, well actually, yeah, let's talk about this. If you haven't heard already on the internet, Rotten Tomatoes is delaying the score for Justice League. This is the first time, to my knowledge, that they've done this. So and, critics, and, why, and why do you think that is, Adam? I'm just curious. I mean, the movies from Warner Brothers, they've, they've directly accused Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of other studios have, of these aggregate scores tanking a movie before it opens. Batman versus Superman did not score well, and that was known ahead of time. Did that affect the movie's performance? I mean, it could have been a possibility. It could have affected the performance. But... When you make eight hundred plus million dollars worldwide, it's hard to say that it really affected the performance of the movie. Domestically, it had one of the biggest drop offs ever second week. Now I will give you that. Yeah. So now it should also be pointed out that Warner Brothers owns Fandango, who owns Rotten Tomatoes. Yes. So this does feel like a bit of a of a favor. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think aggregate scores are fair to a movie. Especially certain genres. Like no, absolutely. Romantic comedies aren't going to get a fair shake. Some horror movies won't get a fair shake. Yep. I mean, people do, don't generally read reviews, which is just too bad. I mean, I always recommend yeah. people find a critic they like. I a agree. A couple critics they like yep. and actually read the full reviews. Yeah. There's something about a long review written out with the thought behind it, the comparison to other films, you know, that's, I think, very informative for our listening audience. Yeah, and it, it can change your mindset going into a movie. If you go into a movie that has a 30%, 25%, you're going to be looking for and bad I, stuff right at the start. Yeah, and I want to talk about that, but I, I almost forgot. I almost forgot to even mention this. Before we go any further, I do want to give a thanks to Marnie, who who guest co-hosted on our last episode. I thought she did a great job, and our last episode was Murder on the Orient Express. and so. Yep. Yeah, I want to say thank you, Marnie, for, for hosting with us, and we look forward to having you back. Yeah, we hope we have you back soon. I, I, we got to figure out our schedule. We have another co-host, too, that should be on soon. I just don't know when. Right. But probably before the end of the year. Yep. And maybe one of these days we'll scare Matt out of the closet and out of the dungeon and whatever. We'll get him riled up and get him back here on the podcast as well, too. But uh, now, now you bring up an interesting point. This is before we even. This is kind of just our little chitter chatter before we actually get into our Justice League review. But a lot of it is your attitude going into a film determines your outlook. And um, Rotten Tomatoes has become the go-to source. Oh, what's everybody thinking about this film? You know, well, it's quick and easy. You look on your phone. This movie's a ninety. This one's a thirty. Yeah. This one's a fifty. You know, it could go either way. It just it affects your mindset do you know how many actual reviews a movie has to get before it's certified one way or another is it 100 is it 150 i don't think a review scores up until shows up until they have 20 or 30 reviews once it's over 100 i think it can be certified okay that's kind of what i was thinking as well too. a lot of movies big movies usually get about 200 reviews now, i will say i try not to really get into a lot of reviews and stuff before i see a movie i want to go in with as clean a slate as possible 
But most of the time when I come out, I'll have a feeling about a movie and I'll usually check Rotten Tomatoes to be like, am I in the minority here? And sometimes I am. A lot of times I'm right with the with the majority too that whether they liked or didn't like a film. Yeah, and actually in this era, I find that I get a lot of my early reactions just from social media. From Twitter, I mean, I follow 20, 30 critics. Right. And usually they can post social media impressions before they post any reviews. For instance, Justice League. Yeah. There were a ton of impressions put out of the movie. Right away, I knew most people thought it was better than Batman versus Superman. There was generally, I mean, not great, but positive buzz. Sure. Right off the bat, without reading a full review. And that doesn't spoil anything. You're not getting into spoiler territory, but you can see kind of people's initial gut reaction on social media, which I use as an initial gauge. I just see it in my Twitter feed, so I, I kind of pick that up in my mindset. Well, and... Uh, you know, it's not a secret that when we did Batman vs Superman, we were not very high on that film. You know, we we actually rated it pretty. You know, we we had kind of, we just were not fans of the film, and so you know that also affects a sequel or a continuation in a universe affects your what you're going into the film. And so, um, I definitely went into Justice League with a. Um, expectation hoping that it would be better than what I got in Batman versus Superman. But I've done that with a lot of sequels, like the Star Wars universe, you know. Um, I was so excited for Episode 7, and I really enjoyed Episode 7. But the longer I've been from Episode 7, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I hope we get something a little fresh, a little newer with Episode 8. And all, and all of the signs are, you know, not to transition, but episode eight is looking great. The studio's happy with Ryan Johnson, you had said. And uh, and what I thought was er, was news, is old news to you, I guess we even mentioned it on the podcast, that Ryan Johnson's going to get his own trilogy in the Star Wars universe as well, too. So a lot of those factors determine, you know, how you feel going into a movie, how, what kind of expectation you're going to, you know, you're going to have. Yeah, and I think this is a one-time or it'll be a rare occasion where a score just gets held up because sometimes the studios want the score out there. For instance, Thor Ragnarok screened three weeks early, no embargo. Right. They were confident with the they movie. They wanted the buzz. Yeah. Wanted the buzz. Rightfully so. People came out and the reviews were up. Buzz was good. So, I mean, studios sometimes want that early word of mouth, but if a studio is more nervous about a project, if it has a bad history, if it was seen as problematic, they might want to safeguard it a little more and have this day one reviews pop up and sure of being no, out ahead yeah. of time yeah absolutely but it could still hurt yes yes we don't know what the reviews are going to be for justice league there aren't any out there outside the total impression so i mean i think batman versus superman's hanging around 25 percent you know it, this could go that way it could have really low reviews I, I think it'll be higher i don't know how high right i mean i don't think it'll be in the 90s yeah but i think it'll be higher than 25 so it's going to be somewhere in there yeah. Could that still hurt the movie coming out on day one? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I think we probably ought to just jump right into Justice yeah, we're League. We're talking enough Justice League. <laughs> well, let's take a quick, quick break. We'll be right back after the music and review Justice League. What did you do this weekend, Diana? Me? Huh. Nothing very interesting. The world remains in mourning after the death of the Superman. And where is the Gotham Bat? The mass vigilante has been a no-show. 
They said the Age of Heroes would never come again. It has to. We don't have any more time. Something is coming. All right, and welcome back to the Film Coterie podcast. And uh, yeah, tonight was our Thursday night, even though it was a Tuesday night. So usually on Thursday night, we go see a new release, but we happen to get screener, early screener passes for Justice League, the first um, combination film, I guess, with all of the... With yeah. all of them. It's the second team-up. Yeah, the well, second really team-up. really third team-up film, if you count Suicide well, Squad. Well, I guess, yeah, I guess this isn't really new territory. It's, no. And we were talking earlier, there's been four, five of This these? is the fifth new DC Universe yes. movie. Yes, and so we'll, I think we'll get into that in some of our conversation a little bit later, but um, Justice League is the story of how they form this new band, you know, the, the Justice League that, you know, the super friends that we all grew up to love and to know and all the, you know, Wonder Woman and Batman and Flash and all of those, you know, and uh, um, initial impressions, Adam, what did you think? You know, we talked in the earlier segment how we kind of go into a film with certain presuppositions based upon our experience, based upon our thoughts, based upon, you know, maybe Batman versus Superman, what we thought of it. Um, so what was your expectations going into this film? And then what did you think? What did you think of Justice League? Well, this is not a film you see in a vacuum. This is the fifth movie in the fran- well, the greater universe of the DC Universe. So the order goes Man of Steel, right? Um, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, and now this, Justice League. So those are the five movies. This is now the fifth. And it, they've been a mixed bag. Uh, I was really high on Wonder Woman, and Batman versus Superman was probably the low point of the universe for me. Yeah, I have to agree with you in, in one sense. Um it's been a real mixed bag. You know, I, I've given Zack Snyder a lot of crap for some of the products he's put out, but he has at least brought a modern version of the DC universe to us. So I have to give him, even if I've disagreed with his artistic vision, I have to give him props for the way he brought it to us, at least gave us these movies. You yeah, know? he's directed three of them. Yeah. He gets full director credit on this one, even though Joss Whedon came into it of a family tragedy for Snyder. Right. Um, allegedly, Weed only directed maybe twenty percent of the movie in reshoots. But so his fingerprints are all over this. Weed's movie. fingerprints are there, yes. but it's still very much a Zack Snyder movie. It is. Um, so he's directed three of them. He's been responsible for this universe, for better or worse. This is the Snyderverse. Yeah, and so uh, I kind of went into it not a big fan of Batman versus Superman. Um, I went into it with like I I loved Wonder Woman by far the the best movie in the whole, of the five so far for me. Loved it, you know, rated it really high. It'll probably will be on my, may make my top 10 by the end of this year when we do our review show in January. Um, I went in hopeful that it was an improvement. And I'll come right out and say it. This this movie is definitely, is a step in the right direction over Batman versus Superman. Getting these cast of characters, Batman, Wonder Woman back together, and then recruiting Aquaman, Flash, um... And, and these characters, recruiting them together, it's a definite improvement over Batman versus Superman. Uh, I think we ought to say right here at the very beginning of this 
you know, we tried to talk about how much do we give away in this film because it's literally it won't even release till Friday, you know, all over the country. I will say this. We're going to mention some things about this movie that if you're super sensitive to spoilers, I would just say stop listening to this podcast until you see Batman, until you see Justice League. Yeah. So we're going to stick to things you can see in the trailer except for one thing, but that should not be a surprise to any comic book fan or anyone paying attention to the news. For a hint, if you've read anything about the movie, you know this guy filmed with a mustache that they had to CG off of him because right. of a reshoots and a prior commitment to Mission Impossible. So there. I don't want to spoil anything else, but we will talk about that character in this movie. It could be considered a slight spoiler. Happens in the second act, and it's just... To anyone, it should not be a surprise. So from here on out, you've been warned. Three, two, one, stop the recording. We're going to move on. Okay, so of course you know we're talking about Superman. is definitely in this movie. And we had... We had a running bet. I asked off the, the guys, you know, Blu-ray Bob and every man Chris was at the table, you know, with, having dinner with us. And I said, when do you guys think Superman will make his resurrection, his appearance? And uh, and Adam, I can give it to you. You nailed it, man. <laughs> you called exactly when it was. I won't say when it was. But, you know, some of us thought in the first five minutes. Some of us thought at the very end to save the day. Some of us thought kind of midway through the story. And... Uh, I have to say, Adam, you nailed it. You called it exactly <laughs> right, exactly when. I don't know why I even challenge you when it comes to these story things any longer. But um, so so impressions. What's your thoughts of Justice League? Come on, I want to hear. You know, <laughs> I'm staring off in the space a little bit because I mean, we just saw the movie. It it plays pretty close to Batman versus Superman as a companion film. Yes, very There's much There's not so. been much of a passage of any time no. between these movies. I got the impression it was a, a couple months or so. Months, weeks. A few weeks, maybe a couple months. Yeah, because, I mean, we've had movies after this. Suicide Squad, it's not really clear when that takes place. And there's still rubble from Superman in the beginning, you know, and, and, and the yeah. statue head there. and So, there's yeah, it's not very far after that. And Wonder Woman was a, was a prequel. Right. Not a prequel. It was an origin story. I mean, it, yes. it, it all happened in well before this. Well, it took this. place 100 years earlier. With bookend modern times. Right. So we're, we get these new characters. I mean, we've already had plenty of time with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. The, two, the three new characters would be Flash, Cyborg, and Aquaman. Yes. And it is rough, I think, how they work these guys in. It's a bit of a struggle. And this is the difference. DC's building their universe different than Marvel. Right. Marvel did all the standalone movies, brought them together in the Avengers. DC from the the Grand Blueprints looks like they've they've rushed to get to the companion the yeah. the joint film with everybody in it, and now they're kind of splitting them off, before we ever get a Justice League two, right? And you know we, we kind of talked before the show and we purposed in our thinking we're not here to compare Marvel versus DC because they're they're two different franchises been done. That they've got their own merits and their own ways they've done things and their own weaknesses. And I mean, Marvel's own, yes. Marvel certainly has weaknesses in their yeah, films. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But I, I will say you you're right on with your assessment that Marvel took the approach: let's build each individual character and then bring them together. It feels like DC said we've got to bring them all together so we can catch up maybe a little bit, and then after that, now we're going to do all the individual stories, almost kind of backwards in one sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, 
absolutely, this is an, an improvement. This is a step in the right direction. Uh, I enjoyed Wonder Woman in this film. I, I, I enjoyed the heck out of Superman in this film. Superman finally got a personality. He finally had some humor. Finally, you know, um, I enjoyed the Flash character, even though he went a little, I think he went a little too far a couple times with that kind of that, oh gosh, gee willy, wow, this is so cool, I'm around Superman and Batman, you know, a little bit too far at times. He's the Peter Parker here. He is. Especially when you see the recent Spider-Man. You know, you kind of get that the young guy awe-inspiring among all these heroes. He's the same role. He's supposed to be kind of our entry point to the heroes, the ones we can, re- you know, he's the one we can relate with. Right. But here's the problem with the movie. They have to cram all these new actors in and give them somewhat backstory. So we now know Barry Allen's a Flash. Yep. His dad's in jail. He yep. has his origin. We get there. We see Aquaman. He's rough. He want he does help people, but at the same time, he's an outcast. I just gotta say from I Atlantis. D- I have to say, Adam, I'm just I was not a fan of I'm not a fan of the Aquaman character at all. I mean, he's a good actor. I'm not I'm not I'm just saying I did not enjoy his character. I he kind of tries to be the Thor. Here I'm comparing Marvel. I'm not gonna do that. He tries to be that that mythical character and just doesn't pull it off. It's just Well, another mythical character. We have Wonder Woman. Yes. But you know, that's in the DC universe, let's talk about that. Wonder Woman was a mythical character that just showed up for part of Batman versus Superman, the very right, end. Right. But she worked in that movie. Yes. She was interesting. You liked her. Aquaman doesn't have an easy way into the audience. Cause he does he's, not. He's really strange. I mean, I don't know how much of his stuff was reshot, but it's it's a strange fit for the movie because this movie jumps around a lot. We have like a Norwegian fishing village, Metropolis, right. Gotham. We Central go, City. We're going to go to Russia for a while. Wonder Woman's Island. Yeah. Russia. The island that happens to be between Metropolis and Gotham. Yep. So you have a ton of locations. You're just jumping around. And, and Atlantis. And Atlantis, yes. So. So, so you know, I, I, I enjoyed Flash. I, I, the, the cyborg character was really just a one note. I think that character could have been a lot more in, personally. Um hated the i was not a fan of the costume at all oh the costume design is terrible it's, on it's, cyborg it's it's shiny and doesn't fit with the aesthetic of everybody else around him it sticks out like you placed him in after the fact this is the worst cg like super suit since green lantern ryan reynolds yeah it, it's bad i gotta i gotta be honest with you you know i felt i felt kind of bad for the guy because when he was in his non-uniform when he covered up in the sweatsuit you actually got a decent character. Some some stuff started to come out then. You saw a human behind that, you know. Um, well, let's, this is a good point to jump in. A lot of people feel that Zack Snyder doesn't really understand these heroes. This was first brought up in Man, versus, or Man of Steel. We had a Superman that was interesting, but in that final battle, he didn't care about the civilians. Right. This wasn't the Superman we knew. He he left the fight in the city. He didn't try to draw General Zod away to flight somewhere else. Right. Yeah. He wasn't saving anyone excited from a couple people in the train station. So people like the Zack Snyder not get Superman. It got worse in Batman versus Superman. Much worse. Yes. And here we are with Cyborg, who is a Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. It's horrible what's happened to him. Yes. But you don't get that from this movie. He says that you don't want to be like me and other things like that, but you don't get the trauma he's gone through, the horror of losing his mind and being in a weird body. 
Yes. All that has emotional impact. Yes. And this character is none of it. Yeah. And so maybe DC's right to go back and give us some origin stories and flesh these characters out before they bring them all back together. Because, you know, I, I watch the actor and I'm seeing a guy trying his best to bring forth a role that I think has a lot of depth and potential. And it ended up being just a one note performance because of what he was given for material. I, I don't know. How many times do you watch a Zack Snyder film and you walk away saying, yeah, but there's one scene specifically where they're all trapped. Won't say what scene it is, but they're all trapped at one point. It's not the end. It's in the middle. It's of the right movie. in the middle, yep. in, in, into the first act, beginning of the second act, somewhere right in the middle of the film. And anybody with common sense looking at those people said, well, Wonder Woman could have done that. Batman could have done that. Flash would have done that. And Aquaman would have just done that. And, you know, Cyborg can fly. Right. And they're all hanging. <laughs> and you're like, ledge. do you not get that these yeah. are superheroes? <laughs> you know? So. And that's the other knock is he never uses their powers in an interesting way. They're used in combat. But other plot devices or things going on, if they have to sneak in somewhere, they don't have Flash, just rush in. It seems like any comic book fan has these obvious ideas of what they could do with these characters. And, right. and Zack Snyder or Joss misses the boat on what these characters can do. Yeah. So um, I, I agree. I, I don't know if he really... I think he loves that universe, and it's he's very passionate about it. I, I feel bad coming against the guy, you know, because I think he truly loves that... You know, he's a comic book nerd. He That's his but thing. But here's you the know. thing. I mean, and again, we don't know him. He seems to like the imagery because he can... He can he can go for some shots yes. that are straight off the page. Yes. But does he like the characters? Does he understand the characters? And I don't have the same answer for yeah. that. He he is great at creating a moment or an image, but none of those ever seem to tie together. Now, I think Josh Whedon coming on board and doing some reshoots and adjusting some things and editing brought a much more cohesiveness to a story that was even still very very scattered, you know, very all over the place. But you could tell there at least the pacing was a little different than, than and it was. And this is under two hours. I mean, the word yes. is that Warner Brothers from the very top said keep this movie under two hours. So it moves. Not a lot of lull. Yeah. And it's, you know, no issue there with the pacing. But but even though it keeps moving, there's real there's a couple human moments where they just stop. Mm -hmm. And there's actors acting. It's not right. just one action set after another action set after another action set, you know. But, you know, it's it's kind of those moments, instead of given to the heroes, some of them are given to these side characters. Yes. Yes. Um, Superman's mom, Martha Kent. Yep. The only Martha, thankfully, in this movie. Lois Lane, who, come on, is still just a plot device. This is frustrating to me because uh, Amy Adams is a good actress. She's such a great actor, actor, you know. And she was used only as a plot device in the last movie. Her job yeah. in Batman versus Superman was to move a kryptonite spear from here to here to here. No other point for that character. Right. And in this movie, she serves one function. Yeah. So, like I said, it's just I'm, he missed some of these beats because none of these characters have a story or an arc in this. Yes. They're brought together, and I think they could have done that more by fleshing out the Flash, being excited to be in this group. Or especially with Cyborg. He's a new character and he's going through something terrible. And they really just missed the opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, or, I love a good Frankenstein yeah, story. Or, or the, the inner struggle for him to control himself. I mean, they tried to do it 
in one scene where he couldn't control himself and his a lot his body was saying attack 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 and he's saying no 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 but there's no gravitas to that because they haven't spent any time with the inner struggle with him you know um so an origin story is definitely needed with him to flesh that out a little bit because i think the actor with a new suit <laughs> could pull that off you know yeah i mean I'll, i think all the actors in the justice league did a very good job that's not a knock against a cyborg actor. There was nothing for him on the page. Right. Now, I will say this, and I said it early, earlier in the review. Superman definitely is the most human, the most character, the most love for Superman that I've seen so far. You know, there's a lot of, you know, Batman's saying he's a beacon of hope. The world needs him, you know. I don't know if it needs me, but the world needs him, you know? And um, there was an attempt to really humanize Batman a little bit and also to kind of like, you know, give a lot of love to Superman. Um, it, it fell a little short for me. I'm just being honest. It didn't really it didn't really connect, but I could see what they were trying to do. Uh, there's there's one great scene. I don't, I, I don't know if it's a, is it a spoiler to talk about the Flash Superman scene. It is. Okay. It's great. You're going to know there's, it when you see it. There's a great Flash Superman scene. It's that, an oh crap moment. Yep. That was one of the highlights of the film. And I chuckled several times. I, I found it humorous. and uh, Well, let's point that out. They're adding humor. Yes. When this whole DC universe started, uh, one of the DC heads was like, we're different than Marvel. We're not going to be funny. We're going to be gritty and realistic and dark. They've listened to fans. Not, not that they're direct to to marvel and trying to copy them but they've listened to what fans want and some humor right. helps they're fixing superman there were definitely positive steps made with his character absolutely so they've listened to i'd say 60 percent of the complaints and they're, they're trying to adjust and that's all good i mean the next movie we have is aquaman and we'll get to that at the end for yep. what the future of the dc universe holds but i think we got to turn our attention to the villain <sighs> and and let's just say it the worst part of the movie, right? By far. The villain and the plot. The plot of the movie and the villain are terrible. And <laughs> I'll say this. The plot to this movie wouldn't hold your attention through a single comic book. No. Just 16 pages and you'd be done with this plot. Yeah. The most un vanilla villain ever. And I said this. Vanilla is too much flavor for this villain. <sighs> He's the tap water of villains. He is the tepid lukewarm you know cgi'd i'm gonna bring in an age of darkness and destroy the world and here's my axe and i'm gonna fight you he's steppenwolf not the band but uh now, uh, that would have been funnier if they'd have fired up the <laughs> steppenwolf theme you know put some music steppenwolf music when he fights or something you know he's just a space barbarian god with an axe and and, and, and i don't know I'll be honest with you, maybe I missed something. I don't know where he came from specifically. Well, he shouts out Darkseid, who's a big bad. Okay, so I missed that. And then, I'll be honest with you, I don't know where he went at the end. <laughs> Just being honest with you. I don't know what, you know. Um, There's a lot that are, in this movie, literally beams of light come down. Yes. Maybe not from a spaceship. They could be like the Bifrost. 
from Ragnarok. <laughs> Here we are, Marvel comparisons. We're well, not it's just, it's, but I thought the it's same thing. It's a comic thing. book reference. I thought the, I thought it's the same thing. It's a beam thing. of light. They come down and they go away. There's Did no spaceships. A, maybe he went to another parallel dimension another or planet, something? Another planet, another dimension. Another planet? I, I don't know. But this guy would have been boring as a third-rate henchman. Yes. <laughs> let alone the main villain for a movie. Yes. I don't even know who played him. It doesn't matter. He's completely CG. He just looks like a guy from Dark Souls, the video yeah. game. And let's just go ahead and say this. Not that we're trying to totally pile on this movie, but the the last scene of the movie, the climactic battle at the end, is some of the just most obvious CGI work that's ever been done on film. I mean, it's just it's like somebody sat at a computer and said, let's put a video game together and let's 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 put these characters and make them fly around and do this. You know, um, so much of the movie is CG. It starts to lose you. I mean, even the shots in New York City on the street. Yes. No. Were yeah. shot on the soundstage and you can tell that all and soundstage. Yeah. The battle at the end when most of the characters are CG, even the heroes, and you can tell they're the CGI doubles. It just looks like that fighting game injustice. You know, people smashing yeah. each other in the walls and into the floor and they're not the real people. I mean, they, they ragged all around a little bit funny. And the you know the ending's not great, so you see the final battle in the in the previews of the city and the red yeah. skies. So, I mean, I want to say that this is a big improvement. They got most of the heroes right. Yes, it's m- definitely more fun than Batman versus Superman. Yes, but they still have a ways to go. I mean, Wonder well, Woman. Oh, good. No, I was gonna say Wonder Woman for me was like a four, four and a half out of five stars. I just love the movie. BVS was a one star, half star. You know, I just thought it was terrible. This is in that two, two and a half star. Okay, we're heading in the right direction kind of deal, you know? Yeah, and I was medium to lukewarm on Suicide Squad. This is in that territory. This is middle of the road. It's like Suicide Squad and even Man of Steel. I'm, I'm trying to debate my rankings in my head. I think I would go best was Wonder Woman, then probably Man of Steel. Then I would say Man of Steel has more story. Like you know, I give the edge to Man of Steel because of the story and the more interesting villain with Michael Shannon playing Zod. Yes, my, a more. worthy adversary who has some personality. Yes. Yep. And then I would go Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. So this is middle of the pack. Yes, this is like three, out, you know, third out of the top five. I would agree. And it's close to two. It's not that much further no, down I would agree. than Man of Steel. Yes, absolutely. So I think they're making steps in the right direction. I will go into the next DC Universe film much more open-eyed and optimistic and thinking, okay, let's see what we get here, you know. Um, so, yeah. So go out and see it. You know, do you agree or disagree with us? Are we way off track? You know, and where does this lead us now? Where does this take us into the future of the DC universe, Adam? They've moved Wonder Woman up, rightfully so. Um, <sighs> yeah, it was a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to come earlier than we ever thought. We're going to get a sequel to that. We're probably not going to get a standalone Superman movie. They've kind of taken that off the table. They are shooting Aquaman right Which, now. Which I got to tell you is a little disappointing to me. Seeing this Superman, the reborn Superman, the resurrected Superman, I'd like to see a movie now with him, you know, with a more heart, more human, you know. Oh, standalone Batman we're getting from Matt Reeves. That one's confusing as to Ben Affleck's participation. He's now gone on the record this week saying he's looking for a graceful exit from the DCU. So, and he's... Ben Affleck isn't as good in this movie as he was in Batman versus Superman, he, but he's still a pretty good Batman. I like him as the older, battle-hardened Batman. Yeah. 
But I don't I know that too. we're getting him in the Matt Reeves movie. Yeah. So that's all on the horizon. Um, they've kind of put Cyborg Flash combo movie on hold, depending on how this does. So, And there's going to be a Green Lantern movie. They haven't cast anyone yet that I know of. I was kind of wondering if... I don't want to spoil anything. It's not a spoiler if I say something's not a movie, right? right? Yeah. Okay, so no Green Lantern shows up in this movie. Yeah, which I thought we might have got but a little tease of him. You do see the Lantern Corps fighting in a in an ancient battle. Yes. But no modern Hal Jordan or any yeah. other Green Lantern. Yeah, absolutely. So we have more DC movies on, on the way. and um, Not for a while, though, because Aquaman has a lot of post-production. I do want to say this. This movie gives me some pause about Aquaman. Yeah. Different director, James Wan, who is a good director, is shooting Aquaman. But I just don't like this underwater stuff. I didn't like any of the Atlanta scenes in this movie. And I don't know that I want to sit there for a whole movie underwater with these characters. You know, I I, I can't say that it really bothered me. Um, I just didn't like the portrayal of the the loose cannon he's kind of the wolverine of the of this cinematic universe in one sense he's kind of like the rebel the oh, i don't want to be a hero and i don't want to take my place at, at at leading my people and you know and and i'm gonna walk slow drink whiskey and have waves. and this is in one of the trailers just have waves blow up around me and throw the bottle down you know and i'm thinking oh god and he's like <laughs> If he came out of the ocean wearing a Metallica t-shirt, you'd be like, yep, yep, that's Aquaman. Exactly. That's just his portrayal. He's like a metalhead. He's a metalhead. That's what he is. You know? And his wardrobe change is kind of weird. I don't understand how his clothes work. Because he comes out and he's usually just wearing his leather aqua pants. And then he's usually geared up somehow in the same coat. Right. I don't know if he carries it with him. I don't know. <laughs> he always has the same clothes as soon as he gets away from the water. Yeah. Then another time he shows up in a tank top and then he doesn't have that tank top. There's some weird... I don't know. I think there were definite reshoots around Aquaman. Yes, they had a lot of reshoots with him. And I think they added the Wonder Woman bank robbery scene at the beginning after her movie. Cause yeah, it, it they, was had just sort of her more, they had to give her a little more air time for sure. Well, they had to get some action going early. It's There's action scenes early in the movie, and then there's getting the team together. Right. They didn't want that lull. They needed something exciting up front. Yeah. So they built in Batman, and I think they built in Wonder Felt Woman. a little tacked on, though, I've got to be yeah. honest with you. But I think that was that feels like studio notes. Yeah. You know, I got to get something to get the blood pumping. I will say this: go see Justice League. Oh, and, absolutely! You know, go see it. Uh, get on our Facebook page. You know, Film Coterie. Get on there and say, "Hey, do you agree? Do you disagree? Are you guys crazy? This was an awesome movie, or it was even worse than Batman versus Superman." Let us know what you think. You know, we'd love to get your feedback. Here's the important thing: I mean, get your voice out there because they're listening. I mean, I've seen adjustments in all these movies from fan backlash. Yeah, absolutely. They've have adjusted, unlike. Like Transformers, Michael Bay doesn't give one crap what people say about those movies. He's not going to change a thing. But DC is listening. Yes, they are. They are. They are trying to make movies we all want, and that's. I mean, that's a positive. DC sign. is not setting out to make bad movies. No, they want to make good. And they haven't really made bad movies outside of Batman versus Superman. I, I would agree with that as well, too. Absolutely. All right, let's take a break. We have another movie to review. Blade of the Immortal. Yes, we're going back to some martial arts in the ancient times. So stick around. You're listening to the Film Coterie. We'll be right back after the music.
All right, we're back, and we have another review for you tonight. This is Blade of the Immortal. Yes. The 100th film. That's amazing. From Takashi Miike, the busiest man in Japan. He's only like 56, and he's already made 100 films? I know. When they said that, I'm like, no. I've, I've seen a good chunk of his films. I've seen nowhere near 100. Probably less than 30, more than 15. I've seen three. Yeah, I'm going to guess I'm in the 15 to 20 club without looking. Yeah, I've seen the Triad Society. I forget the full name of it. Weird, strange film. Yeah, urban. That, that's not even touching his early weird urban stuff. Stu- you know, urban mafia, crime lords, weird stuff. Uh, and I saw uh, 13 Assassins. Yep. And then I saw Blade of the Immortal last and, night. And I think Blade of the Immortal is going to go the route of 13 Assassins where a mainstream audience around the world is going to check yes, this one out. Yes, absolutely. So it is a samurai film based on a Japanese manga. Yep. And I mean, if you're going to pitch to someone, this is a this is a nice blending of genres. It's it's sort of fantasy. Samurai has some western kind of vibe to it for revenge and out on the road movie. And the guy's like Wolverine. He's got that healing factor. Yes, he takes in the blood worms from the the witch, from the witch and he cannot be killed, you know? And um, I got to say, Adam, I really like this movie. Now, this is a martial arts movie that's a samurai movie. It's right up my alley. I love these kind of films. They're ultra violent. I mean, it opened. This movie opens with one guy versus 100, and he just slaughters 100 dudes, man. Just takes out a whole army, you know? And as soon as that scene was over, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be my kind of film right here. Yeah, I mean, it's a very basic story. So he he's, I guess, cursed. You call it a gift, you call it a curse. He's he's immortal. Yep. He heals like Wolverine, and he's just a loner. He's become a ronin. He's a samurai without a master, and he just wants to be by himself. He's living away from society and everything else. Well, a young girl has her whole family murdered, her, yep. her school slaughtered, and she's heard about the samurai. So she goes looking for him, and she hires him to exact her revenge. And I got to say, this is a nice vibe here between these two. The The main samurai goes by Manji, and the girl's named Rin. They have nice chemistry together because it's Very the usual, good. the gruff loner, the little girl that won't leave him alone, and they, they develop a relationship. He has a sister that looked like her, just played by the same actress. So he's kind of drawn yeah. to protecting her anyway. And the bloody saga begins with lots of interesting villains. And I think that's something that makes the movie stand out is we kind of have a, a hero that's pretty normal except for immortality, but a lot of really interesting yeah. villains. Well, he's a hero that was in his prime an amazing swordsman. I mean, just I mean, just super great. But, you know, the movie jumps forward just 50 years which is a long time for us mere mortals, but an immortal, that's no time. But it's enough time for him to become a hermit, an alcoholic. Get a couple more scars. Get some more scars. Don't really care about whether he's just going through life aimlessly. And so he's not your prototypical superhero. You know, I'm honor and I will. And even though he has a very passionate code that he follows, you know, um, and the bad guys, the evil team that goes through slaughtering and trying to consolidate, I thought it was interesting. There's a real moral story, a positive moral story behind them with the leader 
and his father getting killed for using an axe when it wasn't honorable, you know, versus a sword. And there's just some really, I just think it's a very, very, the depth of story, I think, even though it's simplistic, there's a lot going on here. You know, the collar lines, yes, are obvious, bad and good, but the bad has some redeeming qualities to them. And the good has some negative qualities to them as well, you know. And the government's just plain bad. And they and everybody and hates everybody hates the corrupt government. Yes. Even his robes, he wears robes that really mimic the yin yang. Yes. The black and white. Absolutely. So the fight scenes are very well choreographed. I had fun oh. with every fight in this movie, and I don't know. I don't know that the fight choreography I'm going to see any is going to be better than this this year. This might be the tops for me. There's so many good fights. The opening fight's great. The ending fight's incredible. Oh, my gosh. And even all the fights along the way, because people keep attacking him, or he attacks them. And there's another immortal. There's a great scene where they've just skewered a great, each other. A great scene. Think just a porcupine full of blades. Yes, a great scene with the, where he meets another immortal. And the sound that they use, the sound editing, before you see, you know what's going on before you ever <laughs> see it because of the sound. Because the, the the girl the, the young girl walks around the corner and she hears the the whooshing sounds of the knives going in and out of body parts yes. from both guys and they're just stabbing the crap out of each other <laughs> right. and then like you said you flash to a porky porcupine looking scene a human porcupine with <laughs> knives and blades sticking out Spears, everywhere yeah you know um, and there's a lot of humor in this movie too. It's always good funny humor. Yes. He loses his arm and his hand and everything else more than once, more than once. And he just has to go pick it up and reattach it. it the blood worms kind of, and grab there's it. some philosophy too about, you know, if you can't die, then that, uh, that produces a life not really worth living. I mean, there's some good, there's, this movie has a lot of layers. I, I don't think anybody, but this director could have made a movie like this. Because he's got some life experience and he's done, he's explored and done some weird stuff and some different stuff, you know. And so this film has a really great flavor. And I got to be honest with you, I, I just love the film. I'd, I'd highly, if you like the martial arts, if you're not too squeamish and a little bit of, of that, you know, grindhouse gore, arms coming off and blood and stuff doesn't. And it's the great kind of samurai violence where the limb is hacked off. There's a pause and then. Exactly. The blood pump and everything. After a delay. Yes. If you don't mind that, I think you'd really like this story. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's in some theaters right now. It's also on VOD, but just for rent only. I think I don't think rent you can only, purchase it. Rent only, you can't it. purchase it yet. This is a day one purchase for me. This is a movie I'd like just like to have in my library. I mean, you don't get many good samurai movies now. Yeah. And this one, I'd recommend anyone that likes samurai films, comic book movies, even some fantasy. Hero's Journey. all Action those movies. Oh, yeah. Action movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Blade of the Immortals, great. And if this is anything like where uh, our director is, I can't pronounce his name, but if this is where he is after 100 films, I'm interested to see what the next 100 has in store for him. You know, He's been making a lot of video game films, and I haven't seen him. I know he made the Phoenix Wright movies about the lawyer. Really? Video games. Okay. Um. I kind of come in and out of watching his stuff. I, I try to see it when I can. But if you've not heard the name Takashi Miike, start with uh, 13 Assassins. And if you want to get weird. Audition. and You got to see Audition. Yeah. Uh, Visitor Q. And I would even say the triad. Happiness of the Katakuris. Yeah. What's the, let me give you the full name for the triad. I keep mentioning it. Let me pull it up here and find it. 
and obviously Ichi the killer. Yeah, the Shinjuku Triad Society was done in '95. That's and that's very strange, bizarre, urban um, mafia. It's a mafia film. Yeah, when it goes to some very dark places, very dark. He's got some mom issues. Have you seen some of his other stuff? Yeah. Well, and this is um, this was on a movie, a service that I subscribe to that that um, curates 30 films a month that they feel are award winning stand out can be modern old you know it's a great app and it's only like five bucks a month and and every day a movie comes on and, and the movie goes off you know and it stays on for a whole month and so they have some just if you like if you like to get into foreign films specifically uh movie m-u-b-i-e m-u-b-i excuse me.com movie.com is a great service and so that's how i saw the shinjuku triad society just one night nothing to do and i thought oh we'll pop us in and watch it and i was like whew Man, anyway. So we highly recommend it. Highly recommend in it. In fact, I mean, this year's been great. I mean, this... <coughs> I had a hard enough time coming out with a top 10 just for Fantastic Fest. I don't know how in the world I'm going to do a top 10 at the end of this year. And, you know, I keep hearing people say, man, this is a really down year for movies. And I'm thinking, have you not seen anything? I mean, there's some really great films out there. I know. <laughs> it's going to be so hard to do a top 10 this year, but... In most years, I'd, I'd want to think this movie's got to... I mean, it's going to be on my short list. It could crack the top ten. I'm just going to have to see. Yeah. But I love this movie. And like I said, I, I can't wait to own it. I, yeah, me I too. See it I'm going to... It's going to be in my library as well. So, All right. So that's Blade of the Immortal. And that's going to come close to wrapping us up. We're going to come back and give you some coming attractions or what's happening. We're fastly approaching ho- the holiday season, the movie... Um, the Oscar movie contender season with some films coming out. And so we'll, we'll let you know what the film coterie is going to be up to right after the music. and we're back and uh, you're listening to the film coterie podcast and so this is kind of our what's happening coming attractions what's going on you know we're what's what's coming up in the weeks to come we're about to enter into thanksgiving and the holiday season and yeah it's gonna life's gonna get a little crazy until the end of the year yeah uh thanksgiving's next week uh then we have the last week in november which i don't that'll be our next normal episode we're releasing this early I don't think we're going to have anything next week. We'll have something at the end of the month. I'm so excited this week. I get to see three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I've been talking about this movie since spring. Yeah. Earlier. It dropped out of Fantastic Fest. I was bummed I couldn't see it. I get to see it Thursday night in an early screening. So I will be reviewing that at some point. Maybe early. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll just whip up a, a Skype interview and we'll do something, you know, do a little mini episode and drop it and let you talk about it. But uh, Coco comes out next week, the new Pixar yep. movie. And it's I, I have a couple friends that ha- got to see early screenings and ha- did a podcast about it. And the one guy said he was just moved to tears. He bawled through half the movie. It was just beautiful, and the music is incredible. And so he went on and on and on about how good it was. And then we hit December, and right off the yep. bat in December, we have The Disaster Artist, which oh. I love the room. So 
I, I'm excited to see the Disaster Artist, uh, Shape of Water from Guillermo Can't del Toro. Can't wait to see Shape of Water. And then Star Wars. And Star Wars. Oh, my yeah. gosh. We're less than a month away from Star Wars. I don't think we're going to be able to record on Star Wars night. Our, our brains will probably be too fried. Too I mean, fried. Roger and I will figure something out. Maybe we get together for breakfast and a podcast the next day and, I think and sleep gonna, on it. Yeah, I think that's good. I'm going to need a few hours to sleep, and then I'll, we'll get up and have some coffee. We might go live right from the diner. Who knows? <laughs> but, yeah, December shaping up really nicely. Yep, and then we'll be into our end of the year movies and our top ten lists. And How are we going to do a top ten? I know, but can you believe, Adam? Can you believe we're facing a whole year of the film coterie? Yeah, in January, our very first episode was The Founder, which was in January. Yeah, not the best movie we saw all year, but no? was the first we saw as yep. a podcast. Yeah, The Founder will always be our foundation episode. <laughs> it's easy to remember, I guess. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited for the end of the year. I think it's going to go out with a bang, and then. Uh, We'll get into some uh, award buzz and the award season and all that good stuff. And uh, might even slip in a special Film Coterie Classics episode. I've been talking to my buddy Kevin, and uh, we've got some ideas about each year doing a classic uh, holiday film and reviewing it and then uh, maybe doing some lists or top five or whatever holiday films that we like so we'll and if see you guys want to do mansfield 66 67 i'd i'd be happy to join i yep. want to see that movie we'll see what we'll see what comes up so all right well that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of the film coterie if they want to reach out to us adam how can they connect with us the best way is on facebook we're easy to find just search the film coterie facebook.com backslash film coterie tell us what you're watching i mean we'd, we'd like to get an active community going over there we can yes. all share what we saw i mean you have opinions. Tell us what they are of the movies you're watching. We're also on Twitter at Film Coterie is the handle. And we're new to Instagram and we're at Film Coterie over there as well. And we are all over podcasting apps. I mean, yeah. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, AnyPod. So anywhere you can get a podcast on your smart device, if you search for the Film Coterie or Film Coterie, you'll see our little lovely logo there. Well, you guys have a great week. Go to the movie, see Justice League, see Blade of the Immortal. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you next time on another episode of the Film Coterie Podcast.